Hey, everybody. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Eigen Bros. Indeed. So yeah. we're doing uh, failed physical theories today. Failed, failed. Quotation marks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Air quotes. Yeah, the, the Wikipedia has a little better title called uh, Superseded uh, Physics. Yes. We're, we're just going to use that title as the yeah. clickbait for this uh, video. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we kind of give a, a brief rundown of like a, a little quick survey of the history of like just theories in general. Yeah, yeah. And then kind of get into the the real kind of interesting ones. Um, Terrence, you brought up basically the the, the more famous uh, uh, ether kind of. Yeah, model. I think actually technically you brought it up. But. Oh well, I, I <laughs> eased into it. Yeah. But but yeah, and then we talk about some some theories in quantum that that were like tried out for a little bit and. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we kind of just uh, that yeah. So that the first half is history. The second, the latter half is uh, is kind of like those little quote unquote failed theories and yeah, yeah. theories that were superseded or kind of failed to answer bigger questions. But mm-hmm. hopefully, you found this illuminating and interesting. Um, well, they didn't watch it yet, but they will find it. <laughs> oh, true. Hopefully, <laughs> you will find this. <laughs> true. Very true. Uh, but yeah, hopefully, you thought this was uh, this is something that's interesting to you. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm still can't articulate that one. Well <laughs> yeah, you're now. still using past tense. I'm following this. <laughs> it's because I'm thinking ahead. It's because I'm thinking about the outro. I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, guys, <laughs> just uh, yeah, make sure you like, comment, share, subscribed, subscribe, and uh, look, you got me past tense. Out. Yeah. <laughs> and then check out um, the website eigenbros.com. Check out the Twitter eigenbros, Instagram eigenbros, and then also TikTok eigenbros too. And we'll see you guys in a bit. Three, two. One. Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Eigen Bros. Today. Back in black. Yeah, back in black. <laughs> back in black. Who sings that? ACDC. ACDC, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're good. They're Classic. all right. They're pretty, they're pretty decent. They got a couple bangers. Yeah. Um, you remember my philosophy we were talking the other day. If they've got what? more than two songs, then I'm already, I'm already <laughs> You're, sold. They're on already. Them. Yeah. I'm already sold on you. As a band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, nah, they, uh, they, yeah, they're great. They're, um, they're, you know, ACDC. I'm kind of wondering why they decided to go with uh, an engineering name. <laughs> I'm sure there's an interesting story, but yeah, I don't know. Watch the lead singers like a physicist or something. <laughs> I think it might have to do something with Tesla versus. Um, Edison. Edison. Yeah. Maybe. I think I actually read something on this a long time ago, but I don't want to say because I have such a bad memory. I don't want to pollute the already um, rife with misinformation (laughs) internet with any more stuff. So So as you can tell, today we're talking about uh, where band names come from. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Today we're talking about um, failed physical theories. And... uh, yeah, this Wiki one, actually had a, a better title, I think. What? We'll use the failed as a little clickbait for the yeah. um, video, but yeah, of uh, course. superseded was a good one. Oh. Because usually physical theories, you know, when they're around, mm-hmm. they typically get superseded mm-hmm. with something. They're not necessarily failed. Mm-hmm. Although some of the ones that, you know, maybe that both of us have in mind are kind of failed in some sense, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of them get superseded. Yeah, a lot of them do get superseded. They're, they're mostly like... Uh, there, there are some examples still that still exist in our textbook as historical. Um, how would you say, like placeholders? Yeah, or, yeah, okay, they're, yeah. They're like they're still good to a certain point. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Uh, they're approximations and and they're decent for for that, but they fail in certain limitations or they don't mm-hmm. really give an accurate picture as you like. Yeah, go to take it to certain limitations, right? But, um, but yeah. And like even the Newtonian mechanics, you could call like a superseded physics theory, right? True. Technically, but it's a great approximation. So I would come kind of put that in a different camp yeah, on its own because it's still useful, right? Yeah, because for me, failed theories are some that are just, they're good. Like it's more, it, it can't answer most things. It can answer some things, but not most things. Do you see what I'm saying? Hmm. And I have some examples. Okay, so it's got a threshold of explainability. Can yeah. You say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because like the ones that we use still today, like New- Newtonian mechanics, mm-hmm. we still use that because it's still useful in solving most yeah. problems. Right. Right. In Newtonian land, for sure. Yeah. Extremely, extremely yeah. useful. Yeah. So, but there are other instances where, you know, it's not. It's really not useful to talk about that at all. So, yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I do have some examples though to give. Yeah, man, what you got um, on your list? If you want to start, should, ooh, we, should we start I mean, breaking should, it down? But should we? I guess maybe. No, nah, maybe we should take it more like a historical thing because, like, because okay. Newton was like, I would say Newton was the first guy, but you know, you have to go back to antiquity to like the the the, the Greco-Roman times, maybe mm. even. Because you have I to, see. you have to think about like the math days and the philosopher dominated days. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. those guys, those guys were first. You know, the natural philosophers. Those were like yeah. the early physics guys. The, right, just pontificate. They kind of had their toe dipped in physics, right? Well, they did. Uh, mod, the modern incarnation of physics is is philosophy. It, it, basically, I like to think of physicists as like philosophers with analytical tools. Right. It's, I thought you were going to say philosophy coupled with math. But yes, that's basically is, what. It yeah, is. yeah, yeah. It's pretty accurate, I'd say. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but those guys didn't have. Um, well, well, they had a, a conception of, of what math should be. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had this like preconceived notion of like, uh, uh, beauty and thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, you know, very well, like yeah. we're talking about guys like Pythagoras who had like a cult. Right. <laughs> Was that him with the, um, with the, with the fucking, what is it? The um, like geometry cult what was it? Yeah, all the Pythagoreans. Yeah, the yeah, Pythagoreans. Yeah, yeah, but right. but like they had a. And they like executed some guy because he found that square root of two was irrational or something. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Please don't I'm, quote me on that. But I yeah. think that's uh, that's either like a a rumor or one of those kind of like fantasy stories that's out there. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I I would agree. I would hundred percent believe it because <laughs> those guys had like an idea of they they were obsessed with. Um, sacred geometry and like mm. these rules how of how like um nature is supposed to be as opposed to more of an empirical scientific world yeah. view approach um yeah yeah they had like a vision of nature and we're fitting it into that little fucking you know yeah beautiful box and that set back science for a very long time <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it makes sense because it also progressed at some level right yeah 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 you you, you know geometry like or or math the exploration of of like like how lines and points and what interesting like rules you can make or say and, and stuff um, to right. solve certain problems was like huge. Right. But, but I mean like the it, physical nature of it was yeah. extremely powerful and it's very natural for the human brain, right? Mm -hmm. Cause we're spatial creatures. This is why I love geometry so much. Mm -hmm. you, you already know one that I'm like yeah. obsessed with geometry. Yeah. I try to put it into everything in physics mm -hmm. um, just because it's, it's just, it's how we perceive. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, when you're a person who operates on a lot of intuition, yeah. you know, geometry is like a, a cheat code in many ways. Cause you yeah, can visualize yeah. things before you even need the equations. True. True. Very true. Yeah. It's, um, like it, it kind of goes without saying like geometry was kind of like this one subject and algebra too was this one subject that that um was born out of necessity right because like the egypt you you go back to the egyptian times when like property started becoming or land allocation for property was, was starting to become a popular thing and so right. farmers had to be you know for you to construct or for you to to have a certain crop yield you had to have calculate certain area and approximate how much of a an amount of wheat or something that you grew, and so you had to mm -hmm. use like length and width and th mm -hmm. these concepts, these bigger concepts, and then like you're solving for a certain quantity because you don't know, and but you have these knowns, and so the theory of algebra and everything gets developed, and so like you slowly build up to these philosophers um, using this these kind of tools, but but the thing is, like it, it, it kind of. I don't, I don't think any real physics starts to get done until maybe um, Newton, right? Mm. You get, you get like out of geometry, you get these guys. Um, well, what would you consider real physics? Like and really analytical, like calculus was like the the yeah, real yeah. analytical backbone of physics, and yeah. and that kind of. Yeah, because we, we had algebra and geometry for a long time, and we were able to solve problems in optics and stuff. Mm -hmm. Optics is pretty much the, the, the study of like how light rays m move through space and how they bounce off of objects. So that was like a right. natural extension to geometry, mm -hmm. right? And that kind of makes sense, I guess, because guys like Galileo and... Yeah. Uh, I think Galileo yeah, preceded yeah, Copernicus uh, Newtons, and right? Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they... Yeah. I think Galileo invented the first telescope, yeah, so yeah, that yeah. would make sense they'd interest in light rays. yeah. So a lot of those guys, they, they were able to use those basic ideas that were kind of like, uh, or math 
that, that was built in antiquity and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, there is an important result because back then they... <laughs> anyway, those those guys that tried to describe atomic theory, mm-hmm. they kind of... What, what, what did they try to describe? Is it atomos or some, some indie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Atmos or something. But they yeah. called it like... I think it was like Democritus or something called it the... Um, the uh, irreducibles or something or something it's like an, he basically came up with the idea of an atom by saying there's this ind- irreducible quantity eventually as mm-hmm. you get smaller and smaller that cannot be separated yeah this um, indivisible fundamental thing yeah right yeah which is crazy that like it's yeah, kind of yeah. like a big <laughs> deal to to <laughs> To come to that conclusion out of just... But, eventually, but those guys were coming up with so much crazy shit. It's like eventually one guy could have come up with that, right? Because like think yeah. of Aristotle with his his whole theory of the elements, right? Yeah. He's saying that there's like units of fire and mm-hmm. units of ice and things. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. True. It's like they're coming up with all kinds of stuff just yeah. based on thinking. It's like, okay, you might come up... You could see someone conceiving of something like mm-hmm. an atom. Yeah. He just happened to be right, right? But his, his knowledge was not founded in anything. Yeah. That was like a rudimentary kinetic theory of like, uh, well, basically kinetic theory um, of atoms and stuff. How like, because if he, ex- what do you mean kinetic theory? Because like you're extending kinetic theory uh, is kind of like this. You think about most matter as jiggling balls. Um, but did he say that? No, but I'm saying like you can think about it as an early model of that. Like if he extended it to like everything is jiggling around us and like. You know, that's how yeah. you get like things have temperature because he's they're jiggling. Good shit if he's yeah, yeah. <laughs> if he's connecting those dots, that would that was just insane. Like that's a good um, ass peyote. No, because like kinetic theory is actually really useful. Even to this day, I learned it in. Uh, it, it felt like when I learned it, I I I, w- I felt like I was unlocking some secret knowledge of the universe mm, because like mm. you can describe so many things using like basic kinetic theory. Like oh, things are hot because of the atoms are jiggling. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, but think- then you always see the correction where people say, um, which kind of annoyed me at first. Cause I was like, they say, um, temperature is not, um, atoms moving at faster speeds. Oh, right, right, right. And I was like, then what is it then? But I guess the, the more, um, nitpicky way to say it, it's just the, it's the kinetic energy of those particles. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the average kinetic energy. You, you, yeah. I'm like if you, if you get that, it's atoms jiggling, <laughs> that's almost like half the battle. Right. But I guess yeah, it's yeah. like, for the pedants out there that yeah. you can't say that. No, but that that theory, that's one of the first theories that I think like you can look at and think like, oh, that's a pretty good approximation, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you had those guys and they, they Archimedes was one of the, the few dudes too who kind of mm. proposed, we still use one of the phys, one of those laws today. It's it's basically buoyancy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His whole density, he invented the concept of density mm. or like, yeah. Yeah, how like water dis- is displaced in a certain way, and how yeah. it relates to the basically the area and, and all this stuff, and yeah, and that less dense objects will float in a mm-hmm. higher density liquid. Yeah, yeah, really cool stuff. I, I think they were trying to do that to to see. I think a king had paid one of these guys to figure out how they could determine if gold that they had was fake. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's a fake crown or something versus a real crown. And then they, then Archimedes came up with the concept of density. His whole Eureka moment, you mm-hmm. know, it's the whole classic story. And then he found out, I think, that the crown was fake. And then they just killed the guy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, beautiful. I don't actually know if that's true. But yeah, that was, that's my story. That's yeah, my version of yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the that's the uh, Game of Thrones type of story yeah. where they get they get beheaded for. For miscalculation, so bad but, uh, physics has dire consequences. Again. I mean, it's kind of true. Like a lot of the, a lot of physicists and mathematicians back then were hired as um, sort of mages or wizards or something yeah, because yeah, yeah. they were like, "Make these weapons happen for me," and then you know, like they had to build catapults and uh, stuff like that. And, and later, later ages, but, it's basically like the real life movie trope of the smart guy. Like, you're smart, you can do this. Yeah. You know, <laughs> figure this yeah. out. Yeah, you're a virgin. Figure this out. No, I'm just kidding. Please don't attack it. That's a joke. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, yeah. The um, anyway, get, in, get into the more serious stuff. You know, you go through the ages and things don't. You know, you get Copernicus. You get these other guys that are studying like the motion of the planets, and it's mm-hmm. pretty. They're they're doing a really great Kepler. job. Yeah, Kepler. They're they're starting to figure out orbital motion and stuff and. 
And then they reach a limitation because I think the math starts becoming insufficient, at least the ge- geometrical versions of it. Yeah. And it's too complicated. Yeah, it's too complicated for the for the rudimentary uh, tools. And so, uh, so you know, I think at the time, it's, you know, we're talking early, what, 1700s or something? Uh, I can't get I, I can't, me, me either, yeah. but I'm just, I'm, I think I'm it's spitballing. probably around that. I'm spitballing here. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so, so around that time, I think a couple, couple guys, a couple mathematicians, I think Leibniz and, um, who was the other guy? The calculus dudes? Leibniz and, uh, who? I forget his name. Newton? There was another guy. No, besides Newton. I think there were two mathematicians and then one of them's Leibniz and then, um, and then Newton, of course. Uh, I don't know another. But Newton, Newton was a kind of funny guy. Like he had, um, while he was kind of inventing calculus, I think mm. it was also during a pandemic. <laughs> was it really? I think so. Oh, no shit. Black plague. Yeah. I don't remember, <laughs> but it was it was definitely also during a pandemic, if I remember correctly. My history is garbage, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to But uh But no, it, it was, um, you know, he, he had sort of made, calculus with uh, his famous publication uh Matt, what is it uh principia yeah what is Prin- it called principia Mat- mathematica or yeah, something yeah which is latin for um i don't know what i'm doing Latin <laughs> uh, no, for i guess i guess this is right, this is right. Uh, <laughs> no but it's uh yeah he uh that was like groundbreaking and and i think you know, there's a lot more collaboration going on at the time. I think people don't realize that a lot of those guys back then, they, they loved talking to each other through, like, mailing and stuff. And mm-hmm. you also had science, science journals that would come out and yeah, you, yeah. people would share um, uh, information through those avenues and stuff. I mean, uh, to be truth be told, science was a rich man's game back then. Yeah, yeah. And so a lot of those guys were high class and yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada. But... Uh, anyway, um, Newton had a, had a, had a number of failed theories, didn't he? Oh yeah. Well, Newton was basically a part-time physicist and spent almost the majority of his time on finding the philosopher's stone and (laughs) all of this other occult magical bullshit and was obsessed with God and, you know, religion. He was a full blown crank by every metric. Alchemy. I mean, you name it. Yeah, I think he was he was trying to figure out how to turn mercury into gold. Yeah, or lead into gold, maybe. Or lead into gold. Which yeah, is probably why he also died. No, I thought he died lead mercury poisoning. Was it mercury poisoning? I think it was mercury. Poisoning. Okay, well, the thing is, you can turn lead into gold. I don't know if it. I don't know if you can turn mercury into gold. No, but I think that's what he was trying to do. Okay, that's that hard though. Died of mercury poisoning. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he um. Yeah, yeah, he was famous for for just having really bad theories. I think one way he thought of curing the plague was, and I think this was brought up on an episode of uh, Mythbusters. Of, of or it's always no, of it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember exactly, but yeah. it, it it was just like he had this kooky theory that you had to take like rat organs or something. I don't know, something insane. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, we have one of the smartest guys. <laughs> I think he just had cabin fever. I'm going to be honest with you. If this was happening during a quarantine episode where, yeah, the, yeah. you know, they had a plague, they had the plague or whatever during the time, he was just losing his mind. Mm. I, I think it was worse. And, than, and all that murky was finally, finally dipping into his exactly. bloodstream. Yeah, I could see it. The psychosis <laughs> of not only being in quarantine and then yeah. the induced psychosis through basically lead pilling himself he's just like <laughs> he's just like dumbing down his iq but uh-huh. you know yeah anyway he's going full-blown crank territory yeah yeah um but yeah he you know that was it was good enough um after that i think is really when when it took the physics started taking off yeah you know you had um then you kind of had the tools to understand thermodynamics a little bit better mm-hmm. Um, well, all these things, calculus was just such a critical invention, you know, I mean, that's really the, one of the biggest reasons why physics got do you, Why so, do you think it made it so, so important to development of physics? Just, man, it was just so, so critical because what, of, are, what are these, the, the two basic rules of calculus for those of you that don't know, like was, are basically the derivative, which is like the slope at a point uh-huh. and then the integral, which right. is the area under like a curve. But graph. then all those, you can say underneath that is the whole concept of the limit. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's the more those... fundamental, juicy bits. Yeah. yeah. But, and that is just such a huge thing in physics, it seems. Um, because in physics, there's so many things that are just like rates of change of differential quantities. Um, and just also the whole Leibniz notation, being able to work with mathematical concepts in that way, was just so critical. It's not obvious at all that it would be that fruitful, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, calculus is physics, basically. Like, all physics is dependent on calculus. Yeah. Yeah, so. if, if you're still out here in the streets using algebra to do calculus, I mean, to do physics. You can do it, but, like... It's not illuminating. No, and also... Well, it is, it is, but nah, also it's, like, not even real physics because you honestly can't even come up with certain equations and things really mm-hmm. maybe you can come up with some i'm trying to think of like the projectile the motion equations yeah you can maybe from first principles because yeah. you, you can say like oh i can see that this is following a parabolic arc yeah, so yeah, i yeah. know it's a quadratic equation of ax squared plus bx plus mm-hmm. c form yeah but even then it's like with physics with uh calculus i'm sorry with calculus it's so much easier to see where those derivations come from and it's exactly. very natural exactly and you just get so much out of that i mean yeah, it's more fundamental. It feels more fundamental, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It feels like more first principles kind of stuff. Right. It's like you actually are get an understanding of how that manifests. Yeah. Whereas with the algebra, it's almost like a little bit arbitrary. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, and yeah. So I, I would say that the reason why calc- I mean, besides what you're saying, like calculus made physics seem more like you, you can use first principles more. You're you're able to use certain axioms and then build off of that mm-hmm. and, the, and certain the things allow you. are way more i don't even know if i can say they're i would i would make the claim that some things aren't even possible but to be safe i'll say things are just so much easier and simplified with calculus i too. agree yeah. i agree yeah it's um i would say that the thing that made calculus um really important to physics Besides, besides like the testing limit things, because we that's basically what physics do. They kind of take mm-hmm. things to the limit, but yeah. Um, but just, just how easy it is to, just how much more in, intuitive it it kind mm-hmm. of is. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the biggest takeaway for me. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. Because doing physics uh, with algebra was not intuitive to me. It. it I don't know why, but it's my, maybe it's a maybe it's a personal kind of like yeah, yeah. thing. But anyway, it was so fruitful that you had you basically had built modern physics on the back of Newton and Leibniz and mm-hmm. all these guys that helped develop calculus to what it is today, mm-hmm. um, or just the idea of it. And so, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's very very uh, good. But I guess to switch gears a little bit, one. Um, what are some of the failed physics theories that were on your list? Do you have any? Yeah, yeah. So we we build up to so we build up to the modern era now, and yeah. and like we get to you know thermodynamics, and mm-hmm. there's some stuff there. I think they basically build on the kinematic theory of like gases and stuff, and yeah. how you you look at like phase transitions. Those are all actually pretty good. They they're there. I don't think there are any famous failed theories there, but this is like towards the end of the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, the engineers are studying, like... Yeah, and people were really obsessed with actual empirical data at this point, too. Yeah. Because it was the whole rise of the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. We actually needed this stuff to work. Yeah. So people were really concerned with empiricism and actual experimentation. Exactly. And doing things in real life. So actually, the, the theories and stuff were probably really ugly at some point. <laughs> They're just like, it works, so we're just going to use this, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, as long as it works. Yeah, then yeah. Then it but got cleaned up. Then it got cleaned up. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But at the time, you had, you know, you had Einstein. Einstein was yeah. around at that time. And then Einstein mm-hmm. and all those guys at the end of the century and in the 1800s, they were trying to formulate, um, well, they were starting to dig deeper about, like, you know, atoms and how they make up the world. And mm-hmm. are atoms, are atoms, in, uh, how would you say, can they be broken down into more fundamental mm-hmm. pieces? Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, the study of thermodynamics and stuff, we kind of had to, like, look at different elements and stuff. Because, like, in the industrial age, like, you started looking at um, elements that would produce the most efficient, like, combustion or kind of process, you know? Like, 
Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. had to look at different chemicals and started looking at elements and then you, your periodic right. tables getting like refined and built and Right. There's a lot of empirical data being generated yeah. at this time. Yeah. And so you fit the jo- a physicist's job is to kind of unify, find find trends, find mm-hmm. find uh, principles that you can use to basically make this easier to 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 digest. Mhm. Mhm. So uh and to kind of universalize or generalize these systems. Exactly. Right? So, you know, at the time, I think quantum mechanics was, uh, you know, in the cross between 1900, after the 1900s, like around 1906, I want to say, uh, people yeah, can't confirm, but people okay. pinpoint, <laughs> people pinpoint um, this paper, the photoelectric effect as like the start of quantum mechanics, kind of, because this is where Did they you, really say photoelectric effect. Yeah, I think so. What about the whole um, black body? Uh, that too. Ultraviolet oh, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. Did that come after or before? I feel like it came before, before, right? Yeah. Because it's, yeah, yeah. probably. Because this has to do with thermodynamic stuff. So that makes sense. And it also has to do to with like the whole beginning of the atoms. You know, people True. kept revising the atomic model. Mm-hmm. And then the whole thing with Bohr saying, oh, well, the energy levels, they can't be, uh, mm-hmm. was it, they can't be, um, what did you call that? Uh, What's the word? They have to be discretized. Ah, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So, yeah, yeah and it, it, constant adjusting of models and stuff. But at that mm-hmm. time, that's when that's when all the people started coming up with janky ass models because we had so much data, right? <laughs> right. We had so much data because of the industrial revolution and just pumping out science mm-hmm. and stuff. And testable science. Testable science. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, so we, we started like saying, okay, well maybe uh, you know maybe we can describe. Um, at the time, you can try to describe quantum mechanics. It comes a little later, mm-hmm. but because we're still building a catalog of data. But I think at the time, e- Maxwell's equations, ENM, yep. was like a huge thing too. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because it was getting finished off, right? It was be- The bow was being tied. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think there are many that, that many... In fact, when calculus was invented, cal- if you look at Maxwell's equations... Oh, no, no. If you look at mm-hmm. the ENM equations before mm-hmm. calculus... Yeah. Ooh, nasty boy, gnarly. Have you seen them? They're <laughs> You're ugly. talking about when they were just Ampere's law, Faraday's law, and all that but stuff. But they didn't have calculus, so they didn't they didn't have any cross product bullshit that you Are see today. Are you talking today. about when Maxwell was formulating it, or even no, before that? Because you had E and M laws that they knew, yeah. but, but they were all just jointed, like Maxwell. Uh, they were like Ampere's law, Faraday's law, Gauss's yeah. law, those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. of art stuff. Like yeah. you, you had yeah. all these like laws, but calculus did not. Like it, they. they Maxwell is a, the guy that makes Maxwell important. The mm-hmm. thing that makes Maxwell important is, is like he beautified. And he, he actually, I discovered this, he actually didn't really beautify it fully. Oh, really? Because Maxwell beautified it in a way where he used quaternions. The hell does that mean? <laughs> so quaternions are the things that are, um, if you remember, they have the IJK oh, yeah, components. Yeah. I thought um, you were talking about these little alien people that live in like a certain subdimensional space or something. Is this a uh, video game reference or something I'm not know. knowing? I don't know. It just sounds like or little just from alien. the imagination of one. It, it is. Yeah. <laughs> there are quaternions in my brain. That things move. No, but uh, but yeah. So he had some. He had, it was beautified, but it was still mm-hmm. like 20 equations or something now. And the thing was, they were all in like different in different dimensions. They had it was had, had a spatial part of it. Yeah. So it was almost you could think of it as like. Someone saw that, oh, you can actually simplify this even more mm-hmm. if you use the gradient operator. So I don't know who did it, but someone else actually invoked the gradient operator instead and made it so that it was this, you know, three-dimensional vector. Gotcha. And you can actually simplify it even further. Yeah. So Maxwell beautified it greatly, but then someone else took it down from like 20 to like four. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I mean. So, like, and, and it, it doesn't... It, the mathematical represent- representation today is beautiful because of calculus. Yeah. Like before I think it existed, mm-hmm. it was, it was this ugly mess of like, how do you even, cause I don't well, think the connections they, weren't even there. Yeah. Because just a bunch of random equations. Yeah. And know? I think they didn't have like good language of what a cross product supposed to be. Like vector calculus was like so rudimentary. I think mm. if I remember correctly, it was kind of like, they were still trying to figure it out. And yeah, yeah. I'm not sure of that history, but we're spoon fed this, yeah. This complete package. It's, and it's so easy for us nowadays. Like, we <laughs> yeah. take it for granted. Yeah, we kind of do. I 100% do. I will say yeah. that I do. But, uh, 
Um, yeah, so like ENM was I don't remember that many failed theories for ENM besides this this prevailing idea at the time that there was an ether mm-hmm. of sorts that carried because they were still trying to figure out like oh light is a wave. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Like <laughs> Yes, this is one of the ones on my list. The luminif yeah. the luminiferous ether as they called it. <laughs> it's even a mystical sounding name. It, it is, it is, hundred percent is. <laughs> like it's something I would expect to see in like a book on um Greek mythology or mm-hmm. something. <laughs> but yeah, the luminiferous ether is basically the medium in which light travels that was claimed. Um who was the one that came up with it though? It an, it's an old theory that's been it around is. for a long time apparently. it is because they were trying to answer what enm what how how do light waves because they saw that waves you know could carry how would you say like um usually when things traveled through like air air has air has a medium of of atoms of well no air is the medium air is the medium so sound has a medium sound has a medium air, of, thank air, you air particles. I'm trying to articulate yeah, yeah. that better thank you Terrence <laughs> but you yeah. get what I'm saying they yeah. had this like they had this base of knowledge where their intuition was telling them oh sound has the medium of air to travel right. by analogy it should it should extend to light as well because right. it's also a wave and it's almost kind of a natural human extension because we kind of see air like as humans like oh there's nothing here right yeah but then it's like, oh, when you become, you know, woke, you start to realize that actually air has particles and, yeah. you know, it, it, there's, it has constituents of oxygen and nitrogen and yeah, all this yeah, stuff. Yeah. But that's the woke take. That's when physicists got woke to yeah, like, yeah. the air around us. And they were just like saying, like, the world in front of you isn't exactly what it is. Exactly. And they were like presenting people the red pill. And people were like, what the hell are you talking about? But it was right. this natural extension to the luminif- luminif- the luminiferous hell? luminiferous <laughs> ether. Yeah, yeah, so they basically then said they extended that to saying that oh space, you know, that has some it has a medium that light travels through it's a, uh-huh. instead of a vacuum it's a plenum, I guess, which is the which is the alternate form mm-hmm. or the the um the antonym to uh, uh vacuum. Mm-hmm. So it's got a plenum of ether basically mm-hmm. that we can't measure in any kind of way because only light interacts with it. Um and I think uh, only one one of the ether forms actually stuck. And which one was that? I'm trying to remember who it was. Because a famous paper got published. I want to say Huygens, but I'm not sure. sure. I don't want to get it wrong. Yeah, yeah. Huygens is probably wrong. Okay. So don't take that in your don't worry mind. About it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, facts don't matter here. Yeah. <laughs> this is a podcast. As long as I preface cup. it by saying I don't fucking know. <laughs> it's history. Come on. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. yeah, yeah. So one of those stuck, and it stuck for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, this was this was this was actually way back. You know, during like Copernicus times and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, which was before Newton. So people were thinking about the ether and accepted the ether for a very long time. I mean, well into the 1900s, like you know, yeah. during Einstein's during Einstein's time, time right? yeah, which is actually kind of crazy. They yeah. they just didn't really they didn't really um, question it that much. They just said everything that's a wave needs a needs a medium, therefore lights. Light is a wave, as far as we notice. Um, I forget why they thought light was a wave. Because um, at that point, Huygen and those guys, they had already yeah. done those experiments, the slit experiments, where they were already saying, oh, light, yeah, you see but this But the double diffraction. slit was young. Yeah, and young as well. But, that but was, was, he, was he before Einstein? Yeah. I don't think so. No, he was around that time. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I can but, pretty much guarantee it. I can look it up, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but the guys who came up with the fact that light was a wave, they're like way more ancient than Einstein. Yes. Um and I I I have a feeling it has something to do with like um well, I don't know. I can't remember. I don't want to say the wrong stuff. Mm-hmm. But it definitely it probably had to do with like optics and things like you're saying cuz you're you're mentioning that optics was actually preceded even Newton, you know, due to guys like Galileo trying to invent the telescope and things like that. So I'd imagine there were some wave-like properties yeah, that well, they got from that. Well, yeah, literally the first experiment was performed by Thomas Young in 1801 <laughs> to prove that it was a wave. Yeah, they saw that wave, that light. Yeah, 1801. 1801. Oh wow! So that's what I'm saying. Like they already kind of knew that light oh. behaved in this, in this matter. Okay, and then we extended it with quantum. I guess. Yeah, we did. Interesting. So maybe he yeah. didn't even know about the fact that it once it gets measured, it collapses. No, that's, it came in the eight, 1900s. Oh, wow. Very point. interesting. So, damn. Yeah. So Young actually performed the experiment without even knowing it was a particle. So then 
really the thing that started to shatter that whole thing of the ether was when Einstein came up with the photoelectric effect and he and he discovered that that exists and it quantizes light into particle like packets mm-hmm. so then it's like okay what the hell is light is it a wave is it a particle yeah. what is it yeah so then there, all these misconceptions about light started to get uncovered and people started to basically light was getting picked apart yeah you basically started fundamentally questioning the yeah what is light what is because you know we had Doesn't taken even need a medium yeah we had know. exactly yeah. we had taken all these things for granted yeah <laughs> for yeah. so long and it's like you know, but we knew certain things that couldn't that were sort of indescribable in some way. Um, like Thomas Young's experiment mm-hmm. already showed that yeah, light is a wave, and you know Maxwell's equations I think made that all beautiful. Like right. by that point, I think eight, late eighteen hundreds, I think Maxwell's equations was already like pretty much done, right? Uh, I'm not sure. I want to say I can't make the claims. I'm not I'll, sure. I'll, I'll, I'm going to stand. I'm going to die on this hill. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> and uh, Oof, no, because uh, yeah, because you, you had this. Um, I think because Einstein came to this conclusion of like the speed of light is constant because he had done certain calculations um, where necessarily, you know, you get that that v that the the the, the time dilation and stuff like that. Well, he was using Maxwell's equations in some form or manner. Too. Well, but Einstein's also was. Um, I think Einstein's was mostly uh, motivated by experiment, though. Yeah, yeah. Because Michelson too. and Morley actually did that whole, you know, uh, Michelson interferometer. That was the big, big. Yeah, experiment. That was the big um, basic proof that mm-hmm. light speed is is constant, right? Because yeah. when they actually measured it, that no matter what, it keeps coming up with the same number. Yeah. So. And that was also the paper that. Wasn't that the same paper that it proved uh, the ether was kind of bunk? I, because um, they were saying, well, the ether, if we're going through the Earth, yeah, the ether, you know, we're either going to be parallel or perpendicular to it, and like, oh, I didn't get this deep with it. I yeah. forgot to actually go that deep with there's it. There's a so famous I don't paper. I, don't, I think it, I think it was they were using the Michelson for. I think that's the same thing. Yeah. but they they were. Uh, they were saying, oh, if the ether exists, then at mm-hmm. some point we should observe, like you're saying, yeah. the speed of light slow down if we're perpendicular to it at some point. Right? Like if the earth is rotating what around if it's the just, sun. Um, what if it's just uh, iso, um, what is it called? An isotropic. Yeah, like that, isotropic, that, was one of the, that was one of the counter arguments to that. Mm. But like the speed of light was like um, constant, like you were saying, through, they measured pretty much throughout. <laughs> Interesting, but yeah. they were expecting not to. Well, the no, directionality they, was important. They were they were trying to say if the ether exists, then you should observe. If if light needs a medium to travel, yeah. the Earth is rotating, so there's going to be a point where the Earth is perpendicular to the path of the ether, and you should observe some drop mm. in the speed because it's not some convinced point, it's by v- that because you can have isotropic medium. Sure, I mean, look, dude, matter. look, dude, I literally. I literally heard a professor like say say that say before that it, they they think in some form maybe there is an ether still and I was like what <laughs> and I was like is he a crank or <laughs> I was just like what is what I was like no but they were basically making the argument like like you're saying like it could be uh, isotropic or whatever like it looks the same everywhere blah 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 yeah but as far as we're concerned uh, empirically there's fundamentally well. Functionally, there is no ether. And, yeah, and so it may not be necessary. Yeah, maybe it is. I mean, still, I guess it could be. I don't know. I didn't see anything um, debunking it, and I didn't look into it enough to where I can debunk it myself. It's um, debunked. It is debunked, but yeah. of course, I like to convince myself first. <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, but yeah, that was one of the the big models for like um, for light, how light behaved and stuff, mm-hmm. and so. You needed a medium that kind of got thrown out the window because, well, it did the Mickelson Morley experiment mm-hmm. showed that you don't necessarily it, it doesn't the speed of light is constant mm-hmm. pretty much, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah Einstein kind of like made it all nice and prettied up, and so I think I think that's when he kind of moved on to general relativity, but I want to stick to quantum because quantum is the yeah. one that's still. Like relativity and all that, that's mm-hmm. kind of been fleshed out, you know, I, I believe, like, to its fullest extent. So, I don't know if there are mm. any theories that, you know... Well, the, things break down at black hole level, right? 
Yeah, yeah, but and I'm then saying... also there's things with the cosmological constant, which is another thing on my list. Oh, really? Hint, hint. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll spoiler leave... alert. <laughs> okay, yeah, go ahead, talk about that one. Cause, okay, uh, I was gonna, I was gonna move on to quantum, but yeah, go ahead. Okay, yeah, I think we don't show relativity enough, enough love on this podcast anyway, because we always mm-hmm. talk quantum. Yeah, so let's go a little bit towards. <laughs> yeah, but let's go a little bit towards uh, relativity. So relativity has the cosmological constant, right? Mm. I mean, you're familiar with it, one. I'm sure a lot of the audience is familiar with it, but Einstein called it his biggest blunder, basically. But it was his biggest blunder because he inserted it for the fact that um, he was trying to get the universe to be static. So Einstein basically um, came up with this equation called the Einstein field equations, and it's got some metric tensors in there. It's got a Ricci tensor. Um, and these things all are there to, all, are all there to uh, basically describe the curvature of space, and the geometry of space-time, basically. So um, one of the problems was, though, with this theory, you actually get you actually get an, a, a flaw where, when the universe is in an equilibrium, you actually can get a contraction or expansion of space. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to make it so that in the beginning of time, you had this equilibrium position of the universe, um, but it's unstable. So you get a contraction or an expansion of space. So he basically inserted the cosmological constant as a correction to make it so that the universe is is static. Mm-hmm. But then his buddy Hubble, Edwin Hubble, comes back and shows Einstein some things related to redshift of galaxies. And actually, he was basically showing that when galaxies get redshifted, it means that you're actually stretching. When things get redshifted, shifted, it means that the light, the light uh, rays are actually getting stretched. Yeah. So, and that means that there's actually an expansion. Is that true? Or yeah, because you get a longer yeah. wavelength. Yeah, yeah, so there's an expansion of space. So, actually, Einstein's cosmological constant is is not necessary in that case because his theory was actually correct as it was initially where you could allow for the expansion of space. But then, of course, now people kind of still like the cosmological constant a little bit because I think there is a little bit of discrepancy where you should get some kind of particular number from the co- from the mm. cosmological constant. So I think they're like tweaking it. Yeah. And I think that that comes from quantum field theory. There's a mismatch mm. between quantum field theory and the cosmological constant. Actually there's a giant discrepancy. Oh. It's like one of the biggest failings of these this these theories. Oh, gotcha. Um so even then right now it's still a work in progress. Yeah, so the cosmological constant is a big work in progress because people yeah. still are uncertain about how the whole expansion of space works. And I'm sure I'm, I have a feeling. Don't quote me on this, though. So this is another warning warning alert. Yeah. But I have a feeling that it has something to do with dark energy, um, and possibly dark matter, um, which is why that there's some mm-hmm. r- some air in there. Of course, astronomers, please correct me. Uh, Layman, don't take that. <laughs> don't take that and run with that. Just keep it as a potential in your mind. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So, so that one is another kind of failed physics theory, mm-hmm. but actually turned out to be useful in some sense. Yeah. That's kind of how it works out. Cause like, uh, you know, when we were trying to describe like electrons in, in, um, in materials, you know, you have like this, even in, in condensed matter, you see this all the time. You have like the Drude model of mm. like, you have so mm. many models in, in, in condensed matter that it's like. All right, so these all have these all mo- these models are all good to a certain point, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but there are so many like, uh, and I'm just gonna I just named the Drew model Drew model for one just because. Yeah, what does that have to do with like the, the, the electron and like heat capacity and stuff? Dispersion and, relations and whatnot. Yeah, basically, okay. and it's just like it depends on the regime that you're looking at and and stuff, and then you also have different models of like what kind of wave functions you can use. You already mm-hmm. know like the block yeah, model yeah, yeah. of like wave functions and the type binding model of like oh yeah you're, you're atom, it's yeah. all coming back yeah to yeah so you think about all <laughs> these different model. models yeah 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 yeah. you have so many little toy models that this is built to try to describe such a, a, a disparity in such a huge number of physical systems that you know right naturally you're not ideally you want to find a one size fits all but yeah but they're all trying to describe different pieces of the puzzle basically yeah maybe one day we'll have uh just a nice beautiful maybe. little Thing, we need a condensed but, matter Ed Witten to make the M theory of condensed matter <laughs> Yeah, physics. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but th- this kind of leads me down the, the quantum path because, um, you know, Einstein, he, the Nobel Prize that he got was for the photoelectric effect. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, he he kind of spurred this uh, th- this 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 idea that maybe maybe particles yeah maybe part maybe other particles are quantized like what 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 is what is the atom made of is it made of other fundamental particles and stuff mm-hmm. and so people started probing um atoms a lot more and and um uh, the atomic structure and stuff and so sure. you started de- delving into what makes um the electron and the the atomic system so interesting and mm-hmm. give all these weird characteristics and then mm-hmm. You basically get all these weird experiments that come out. Um, Is this the whole particle zoo we're getting into now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so, like, you get all these weird experiments, and then you you start building a, a sort of model for um, for basically atomic physics, which is, mm-hmm. you know, they call it quantum mechanics, but all it means it's what they mean by quantum is like things that are just uh, discre- small, discretized, small. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because um, like you had continuous energy. Before we in the, in the in the in the classical regime we we deal with continuums we deal yeah. with nothing that's really part like energy is not really energy is pretty continuous for the most part right right but in quantum mechanics like you get like these little bits of energy right um, the Planck's constant starts Planck's popping constant up stuff. everywhere yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so h bar for those not familiar and this doesn't really make sense to the intuition of a lot of a lot of physicists who were bred on continuum continuous mm-hmm. energy and mm-hmm. all this stuff and so there which like, einstein was because quantum mechanics was not invented during his yeah. times coming up <laughs> yeah exactly so so the thing is like a lot of those guys that came out like for instance um um schrodinger right so schrodinger he didn't like this he didn't really like quantum mechanics he yeah <laughs> that's hilarious no i know literally his equation is like what you use for the entirety of um Beginning quantum mechanics. Well, he didn't. He didn't like the uh, the um, the collapse postulate stuff. A lot of physicists mm, didn't. Yeah, they had to come up the with interpretations. This, they had to come up with the interpretation yeah. of the Copenhagen interpretation, which is like mm-hmm. the one we use today, or it's po- yeah. most popular today. And um, actually, physicists still don't like the interpretations now. <laughs> so there's, there's still hot debate over what's real. A yeah. hundred years later, and we're still. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this wave particle duality, and and mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of the the the. The Copenhagen interpretation. Although Eric Weinstein claims there's no wave particle duality, he just says everything's waves. I'd have to. Yeah, I think I think I think because um, it is waves, but it's like boundary conditions in some form or manner. Like this is kind of what what um, Mm -hmm. what uh, uh, a Schrodinger kind of thought. So I'll Mm -hmm. I'll 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 elaborate. I'll elucidate more on this. So uh, Schrodinger actually came up with an, an electromagnetic picture of quantum mechanics around 1926. So, like, quantum mechanics was actually formalized by 1930, I think, when von Neumann published his, like, book mm-hmm. on, like, the theory of quantum mechanics. And it, it, if you go back to it, it's like nothing much has changed. Like, oh, yeah. it, it's kind of nice. It's like it's still formulated and, you know, you have... That's not good and bad. That's good and bad at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like, it, they kind of employed this, like, it works. It describes the the... It describes what we see, mm-hmm. but it's just math. Like mm-hmm. it's just like we're using matrix the formulation. You know, you have the Heisenberg picture, you have the which is the matrix mechanics stuff, right? Using uh, linear algebra, and then you have mm-hmm. the Schrodinger picture where you're using like waves and stuff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Schrodinger he um, he believed that if uh, the quantization of energy uh, that led to basically quantum jumping or like basically yeah, quantum jumping. What does that mean? It's just like um, electrons that move up to like that when they're higher excited, energy. they move to higher energies okay. and stuff. Uh, if it was true, it would leave him sorry for ever getting involved with quantum theory. So he was just like upset that he's like, <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. I don't like I don't like discretized energies. Is basically mm. what he was throwing a hissy fit about. But um, Schrodinger was basically trying to formulate a continuum picture of quantum. So it was guided mm-hmm. by boundary conditions set by Maxwell's equations. And uh, and basically quantum theory, he he basically got it like a... He built like a wave function that solves his wave equation for the picture of an electromagnetically active hydrogen atom. So yeah. it looks... I'll, 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 I'll show Terence this, but... Uh, but yeah, this is kind of the equation, and we'll post it up. It's got like, 
Okay. It, it's basically using ENM. He's trying to combine ENM and quantum in some way, mm-hmm. trying to merge the two because naturally you're like, oh, quantum uh, electromagnetic theory is it continuous. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's no discret- discretization. Okay. And he's like, obviously, and that theory is right. Let's extend it to quantum mechanics, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So he, this is what's interesting. He obtained with good results the dipole moments of the electrons of frequencies known to be radiated. He obtained the Zeeman effect and the Stark and Stark pattern. So if you remember the Stark effect mm-hmm. for the hydrogen atom, uh, with both like the the non-vanishing components and the vanishing components, like the the lines. He, okay. he basically was able to with this theory. Uh, he was able to f- basically show that the Zeeman effect and Sark effect were like true in his little picture. Okay. Which is like pretty damn cool if you think about yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and he found it was it was so successful in describing the radiation amplitudes, um, uh, electric charge densities and other things that he basically was like, bro, bro, quantum theory is just wave mechanics. There's no particles, no discretization. Interesting. And no quantum jumps. So... Like in his, in his like little picture of, uh, he basically it, it's a perturbation theory basically, mm-hmm. but um, it's like a perturbation theory to the electron and the hydrogen atom. He he showed that collapse was unnecessary because he could explain it as a form of resonance. So what I mean by that is, it, um, the quantization or whatever is basically like analogous to acoustic beats that okay. are being produced. Okay. Um, and that wave packets can uh, simulate the appearance of point-like particles. So these beats mm. look like look like particles. Yeah, they look yeah. like like these little things. Hmm. Um, and yeah, his interpretation, however, yeah, failed to explain the particle nature of quantum mechanics over long distances. So Lorentz actually had had. What does that mean? And I'll, I'll explain. But okay. Lorentz, Lorentz had realized this, that it couldn't survive the complementarity principle, which is um, that, that his wave, basically his wave packet treatment of the particle wouldn't, wouldn't, it could not live. His acoustic beat picture couldn't, couldn't describe why wave packets survive for such long distances. Do you see what I'm saying? Because any perturbation okay. in the waveform would shear the wavelet and destroy its envelope. Mm. So this acoustic beat thing, like it didn't, your little acoustic beat picture wouldn't, wouldn't describe why like the photoelectric effect, like, y- you know, it gets ejected, but why does it still survive right, for over right. long distances? Like mm. your little acoustic beat, any, any little, any little like interaction with another sort of resonant phenomena or any interaction with other waves and stuff, it would destroy the mm. the, the particle. Okay. You know what I'm okay. saying? It would destroy the I think state. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a local theory kind of. Yeah, yeah. Because if you can think about it like that, like if it's an acoustic beat, it shouldn't, it shouldn't like hold form because like we know sounds, right? They, they kind of like are easily. Disturbed how, and. Yeah. They bounce off walls and things. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. you also get like spots of. Interference or destructive, uh, yeah, destructive. Yeah, destructive he, so Lorenz was like, bro, it's not gonna, it, it's, it doesn't, it's not gonna explain why, you know, like a particle, like if I send a particle from here to over there, it's gonna look the same from my point to over there, but an acoustic beat isn't necessarily gonna look the same, especially mm-hmm. if it's interacting with other, like, other stuff in the way. Yeah. It's gonna lose some some information yeah like yeah. the amplitude will decrease all this other stuff mm-hmm. and what was schrodinger's response uh well let me see <clears throat> well he- heisenberg basically delivered this crucial blow to schrodinger's <laughs> cute quantum mechanics and enm interpretation stating that his the the eigenvalues that he was able to get for the frequencies that he obtained we're only allowed when the potential of the electron is basically a harmonic oscillator. So he was just like, it's kind of, it's kind of like a, not a real picture in, in, in his little basically mm. view of it. He was like, bro, it's, it's, it's not a harmonic oscillator. And, um, I don't know. That basically was like, everybody was shitting on Schrodinger at that point. <laughs> My man was losing it. He was down bad. <laughs> That's pretty cool though, that it worked out so well for a certain certain things yeah 
Well, the thing is, um, what's interesting is though that De Broy, De Broyley actually, or De Broy, I can't even pronounce it. De Broy. Yeah. Um, in the same vein, he tried to frame the results of quantized energies with that of a wave mechanical picture, Schrodinger. So he took he took Schrodinger's picture and was like, okay, let me let me try to extend this. Mm-hmm. And um, he had this sort of double solution interpretation that came out like a year later after okay. Schrodinger. And uh, he said that if quantum is a theory about waves and particles, there should be a representation of its evolution with a particle and wave component. So now with the De Broglie picture, it was still governed by the Schrodinger equation, but it added motion of particles. So um, you had now you now had a wave component to his solution and a particle component to his solution or his oh, equation, I should say. Okay. So, and then that, <clears throat> basically the De Broglie one also kind of like spurred the more famous um, De Broglie-Bohm pilot oh, wave theory. Okay. So that that I've was kind of, of the formula. Yeah, this was like the foundations of that. Um, but because like the De Broglie picture faced the same shortcomings as Schrodinger. Um, and it was it still wasn't a full quantum mechanical um, um description of like what they were trying to describe and so yeah so like literally that that theory was pretty much like shelved for i mean we're talking about 1927 it wasn't until the 1950s that bohm Mm -hmm. pulled it back out and was like hey maybe uh maybe there was a pilot wave that we can sort of use but that's another fame that's a more famous like uh I wouldn't say failed theory. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of is because um, most physicists will say that there's certain quantities that can't, there, there's certain infinities that we can't, um, like we can't get certain finite numbers that we know exist in the, in the bone picture. Okay. Like basically what, what physicists call renormalization. There's certain things that we can't uh, renormalize. I see. So things go to infinity well, and you're just like. didn't even like renormalization. <laughs> he didn't? No. Explain. He just said it was uh, like a. He said it was just like a shitty workaround or something. <laughs> no, not in those words, but I watched an interview of him and he didn't like it. Yeah, Dirac is another famous guy of like him having weird. Like we've talked about this, mm. him having weird like leaps in logic, right? right? And then he gets the right answer, yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, why? That's so far to extend. Yeah, well, what was that picture you were telling me about? Was- I was talking to you about the Dirac C. We talked about it on one of the podcasts before on, um, on, I don't remember which one. I think it was one of the alien ones. But um, yeah, he came up with the concept of the Dirac C. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just like, no, <laughs> but also coming up No, with but this, he man? also came up with the Dirac equation, right? And he had come up with all this weird <laughs> stuff, right? That's where it comes from, though. So he came up with the, the Dirac equation makes sense. So basically, he was trying to make an equation that looked like the Schrodinger equation, but it was a relativistic one. Mm-hmm. So he looked at the Schrodinger equation and said, okay, how can I make this a relativistic version of Schrodinger's equation? He realized that you needed matrix elements or something, so you need to promote like the operators or something. Again, preference. I don't know what the... I, don't, I never you actually don't studied the, the equation, stuff, so yeah. I'm not going to get everything this correct. Because this is QFT, technically. Yeah. Yeah. But he promoted something or had some, some, something where he, he changed it slightly... And was able to get some answers. But then when he got some answers, he noticed he got energy values that were negative out of it. Yeah. So he was like, that's a problem. We don't see we don't see negative energies in real life. So then what he assumed was he assumed that all of space was filled with um, electrons <laughs> um, that occupied those negative energy states. So that what a you, huge thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that you can only get things that have positive energy because yeah. all the space was already filled with electrons in the negative energy state. Yeah. You couldn't actually get anything to go into a negative energy state. Yeah. But then of course he said, okay, there's a problem with that because then that means that there should be a negative sign in the universe. So then he fixed yeah. that by saying there's a positive overlay or something. I forget <laughs> how that, I forget how that fixed it. Yeah. But then basically what happened was, uh, that positive overlay, I believe somehow was, uh, you were able to get that out if you could. Um, so then, yeah. So then he's predicted that she should be able to get. Um, 
He sure you should, should. Oh, you should be able to get. You should be able to get a positive uh, charge out mm-hmm. if you knock one of those negative energy electrons out from the vacuum. Mm-hmm. Because you see that now the negative electron is now in the positive energy state, so you should have like a hole. Exactly. And he no, called bro, the, he called those protons though, but they were actually antiprotons, and he is actually credited with discovery of the antiproton mm-hmm. that way. Yeah, that huge, <laughs> huge leap in like. So if that doesn't sound like crankology to you, then I don't know what can. I'm just like what? <laughs> yeah, literally, like full. What are you, t- bro? Your your logic is so subjective that it's yeah. like, what are you? It's it's adding on so many layers of just like things that can go wrong, <laughs> but somehow through all of that, he got the answer correct. He, that's just amazing <laughs> intuition to me because, dude, that's just insane. But but that's that's like to me, it's like that's can't that can't be intuition though. There's something else operating at play there because if you no, look I'm at Einstein, the ultimate intuitive, his explanations were always so simple. Yes, and they always made so much sense in a very simple but brilliant way. Uh-huh. And all of the and everything else would come from that simple, simple, simple image yeah. or diagram yeah, yeah. or. Yeah thought well, like he's done it so many times with the photoelectric effect he's done it with um the whole uh reference frames in quantum yeah the in, thought um, experiments yeah and, uh, and and setting speed of light equal to c mm-hmm. it's just very simple changes or mm-hmm. things that he did that gives you a whole rife um bag of just stuff you can work with yeah very true very true he uh yeah there's a lot of those dudes they just I mean, they blow, they blow, they're the ones that make the, the biggest, like, these leaps in, like, Who? logic, like, like those, they have these far out ideas almost, you know what I'm saying? Like, Einstein and, like, mm. Dirac and stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, that try to build more, like, um, more on, on, on the, 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 the fundamental, asking why certain things are the way they are. Like, the models, the models that typically fail in physics are the ones that, where people try to, ascribe certain preconceived notions right right to to physics you know right i think it's much better when you let things unfold yeah which is kind of like the camp um i you know i watched the portal podcast mm-hmm. with eric weinstein mm-hmm. and uh, you can clearly see this see this between garrett lisi and eric because eric garrett lisi garrett lisi is the guy who came up with the e8 model of the universe oh, he's okay. the surfer um you may have seen him back in like 20 2011 or something it was like right the days when i was Why trying to get into e8? physics um it's a it's a e8 is like a special lee algebra oh, it has to do with mathematics shit that i have no zero about yeah, yeah, yeah exactly and uh it's just a name of one of the the lee algebras the exceptional lee group as they call it mm-hmm. um i don't know if that's like a is that a boy band <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> It'd probably be a cool name yeah. <laughs> hey everyone with like the a lee k-pop group. band or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but um, Garrett Lacy is basically a guy. He's kind of ascribing this Lee, this E H structure. Mm-hmm. He's using this E. He's fitting physics onto the E H structure, mm-hmm. whereas Eric's trying to uncover it in a geometric form. So it's kind of those two ideologies that are in opposition. But I think both are useful, um, because both of them have proven successful mm-hmm. during the time of you know history. Yeah, true. Making physics theories. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. It's just two different ways of approaching things. Yeah. I tend to be in the uncovering camp, though. Flipping one stone over at a time. And then as soon as you flip enough stones, you see, you take a step back and say, oh, there's a picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, um, is there anything else that you want to add on or something? Not really. I had a whole... I think it's pretty too much too late, but I had a whole thing on cold fusion. Oh, really? It's got a really, really cool, interesting uh, story behind it. Oh, it does that it? I never, that I never knew about until researching this. But ooh, cold fusion could be its own episode. Yeah, almost. we could we could do that maybe in another time. So I could save that as a I mean the search for the, the search for free energy has been <laughs> <laughs> has been well that one's this one's rooted in science. Yeah, real I know, science. I, I know, yeah. but I'm saying like <laughs> free energy was debunked in like fucking aristotle days or yeah, something. yeah 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 <laughs> maybe not true but no but it's like you know that, motivate, that motivates a lot of crank people to go into like cold f- fusion basically fusion any any sort of nuclear kind of physics is just like, yeah they kind of get you're still exploring cold fusion in its conception 
you know, during the days of Fleischman and Pons and you're really fucking up. But <laughs> they do have they do have a cold fusion in, in existence today that's mm-hmm. kind of like more serious. Mm-hmm. They call it like Lenner, um, um, low energy nuclear research, or they mm-hmm. call it like uh, uh, condensed matter nuclear research. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has to do with things with like muon catalyzed reaction fusion. Yeah. And um, they're a little bit more credible, but they still haven't pan out. They're not really, they don't seem viable. Mm-hmm. But there is a like scientific form of cold fusion kind of still in existence mm-hmm. today. Interesting. But yeah, there's All a right. teaser maybe for well, next yeah, time. Yeah, look for, or look one for other that. new one of their podcast podcasts in the future. Yeah, so, yeah, that'll yeah. be that'll probably be an episode. But uh, but yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, yeah. we'll stay for the outro. All right. Thank you. Thank you. For making it this far. Mm-hmm. Please like, comment, share, subscribe. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at yeah. Eigenbros. Follow us on Instagram at Eigenbros. Yeah. Follow us on TikTok at Eigenbros2. Check out the website. Yeah, and I have and a well question. Yeah. If you do, if you did make it this far into the video, uh, leave a comment on maybe, uh, what what would it be? Like a fail? What What... what yeah, well, I think it'd be interesting to see what failed physical theories that the audience is uh, interested in. Oh, might know. Or maybe even learning more. Maybe we could do a part two, because there's a bunch more. True. So, yeah, Very guys, true. what what uh, failed physical theories are you interested in learning more about? Or which ones are interesting? Or which ones, like, maybe the logic is interesting? Yeah. Right, because the logic to me was interesting for the Schrodinger one. I'm like, oh, that's mm-hmm. kind of true. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah, you would expect that. But on, along those same lines, maybe you have something that appeals to your... To your to your uh, sensibilities. Mm-hmm. So so leave it in the comments below, guys, and mm-hmm. we will see you next time. Yep.